continuing the Called Out series. Uh, yeah, so we spent a lot of time in chapter 13, which is all about love and the, uh, the agape love. So that's a big deal there because that plays a role in this whole thing, what Paul's talking about. And he discussed, the, he discussed spiritual gifts in uh, chapter 12. Then he went and talked about love quite a bit there, obviously, in chapter 13. And then he's going to talk about two spiritual gifts in chapter 14. So um, uh, getting to tonight's message, it's prophecy and tongues is the name of it. Now, tongues is one of those words, I have to admit, do y'all ever have words that if you type them out or write them, you look at them and you're like, is that the right way to spell that? Because it just doesn't look right. Yeah, tongues is like that for me. So, but I, I did spell check on my PowerPoint before I, before I, you know, send it up there to the guys up there. So, um, but uh, yeah, it just it never looks right to me. But uh, the other day I was teaching Bible class, and um, I had meant to say that people were trying to get rid of their guilt, but as I was teaching, I realized that my PowerPoint said they were getting rid of their quilt. So. <laughs> You know, so some of those words can happen like that. I should use some spell check. Uh, but uh, prophecy in tongues that we're going to talk about uh, tonight, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 19, actually be the topic going on the next, uh, the next part of the chapter as well. Uh, and so Paul spends a lot of time on this subject. Um, need to know that in, uh, in Corinth, there was a lot of religiousness that went on. Okay, it wasn't a lot of atheism or anything. In fact, I've got a, a picture here of the Temple of Aphrodite at Acro Corinth, um, and for you to see, there was a lot of uh, stuff that went on. And the reason that you need to mention that is because the uh, Corinthian church, I think, was allowing a lot of that still to stay in, uh, and so they hadn't got rid of all the influences of that in their life. So a lot of what went in on as far as religious stuff um, in Corinth with that, with that is not what you think of as our religious services. Uh, they would get drunk. Um, they would, in fact, do it so much that they would get into a semi-conscious state, and that's what they wanted because they wanted to be in that kind of in and out of it state to where just crazy things happened. Um, uh, kind of like the 60s for some people. And so they wanted to be in that kind of atmosphere. And with that, they felt that when they got into that state, they were kind of entering into a different world, the world of the gods. And so all kinds of things happened. They probably didn't remember later on. But they would be in that state, and part of what they would do with that is there would be ecstatic speech. There'd be all kinds of babbling and some kind of otherworldly language type thing that was going on. Well, this understanding no doubt had entered into Corinth with the gift of tongues. Now, there is a gift of tongues, but I'm sure they were influenced by their understanding of what they'd experienced before in this gift of tongues. So tonight we're going to cover 19 verses, so instead of reading them all at the beginning, I'm just going to cover them. We're going to read all of them, but we're going to cover them as we go. Um, and that way we can spend some time on each of them and give a little more time to them. But first of all, let's pray, because if nobody else needs it, I do. Um, yeah, thank you, God, for this day. You're awesome, and Lord, as we go through your word here, I pray that you would help me to uh, just uh, speak accurately about what your word says, let your word speak, and that's what we're going to do a lot of tonight. Uh, it, a lot of it, I think, is very clear, what it's talking about, uh, but just uh, help me to be able to explain it whatever way that I should. 
And uh, Lord, I pray through all of it that we would both get truth and you would get the glory. Uh, and we just uh, give you all the glory right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing I'll look at is the fact that prophecy edifies the congregation. Prophecy edifies the congregation. Edifies, the word just means to build up. Okay, so prophecy edifies the congregation. We're going to get to what we talk, we're talking about with this word called prophecy. But let's read a little bit first. So going to the first verse of chapter 14. Follow after charity. Now, this is what he's been talking about all of chapter 13. This is the agape love. And so he's wanting them, look, this is what you need to follow. And whatever you're doing is this idea of love. But now with that, he's going to get back to the subject that he also discussed in chapter 12, which was spiritual gifts. So follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. But notice this. But rather that you speak in tongues. No. Notice he picks out, because I think is it extremely important. And it's funny thing about when you read God's Word, you can read it 10, 20 times, and the next time you read it, you'll see something you didn't see before. And this is what I saw. Rather that you prophesy. In other words, God has given a lot of spiritual gifts, a lot of things that can be exercised in church. And the one thing that Paul points out, prophesy. That means that's a pretty important deal above all others for him to mention that. Okay, so let's find out what this is. MacArthur explains to us the gift of prophecy. Now, lots of us think is, I know what that is. That's foretelling the future, you know, and and that kind of thing. Well, the gift of prophecy is the spirit-given and spirit-empowered ability to proclaim the word, the word of God, effectively. Since the completion of Scripture, now see, before Scripture was completed, and there was such a time, obviously, there was a lot of prophetic words, which means God spoke through or to someone, and they spoke what he said, and that was prophecy. Okay, and it wasn't always telling what's going to happen. It was means, basically prophecy is just speaking the word of the Lord. And so they were speaking the word of the Lord because we, they didn't have all the Scriptures. And so he would speak through the prophets. Okay, now we're beyond that point now. We have the completed word of God, but they didn't, even in Corinth, they didn't have the word of God yet. They had the Old Testament. You know, who knows how much they had the New Testament at that point. But Corinth was one of the earlier letters of Paul, and so, uh, Corinthians was. And so they didn't have a lot of it. Okay. But MacArthur explains that this is the proclaiming of the word of God effectively. Since the completion of Scripture, that would be our day and time, prophecy has no longer been means of new revelation, but has only proclaimed what has already been revealed in Scripture. In other words, you might say, this is really preaching today. This is the preaching that goes on, the expounding of God's word, speaking forth the truth that God has revealed in his word. Okay, but now back then it also included that God would speak through people because he wasn't done revealing all of his word at that point. Okay, so this is prophecy and this idea. Okay, so remember, Paul places, I mean, above all the gifts, and I know they were crazy about the speaking in tongues gifts, okay, but he says above all, he says, rather that you prophesy. That's what I, the main thing in your services, in your congregation that you prophesy. And then he explains why. He says, for, which means he's explained because, in other words, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now, in your King James, I don't know if, it's, if, it, if you've got italics, this unknown word is probably italicized. Okay? And it means that it wasn't this particular word, wasn't in the original Greek, but they placed it there. And I don't think it's a bad thing. 
Because what they're doing is help you understand what was going on here versus someone that's legitimately speaking in tongues. This unknown tongue would be one that nobody's interpreting. Whether it's a language or not, who knows, but it's something that nobody else can understand what you're doing. All right? It's an unknown tongue. That's what this is. Somebody's speaking, and nobody else knows what in the world they're saying. Okay, so that's the idea. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Now, this doesn't make it more spiritual or anything. I think Paul's just saying, look, nobody understands. Only God can figure out what you're saying right now. That's pretty much what he's saying right now. Okay, only God can figure out because nobody else knows. Okay, uh, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, this mysteries here, Paul uses this word sometimes like the mystery of salvation, which is once hidden and now is revealed. Wonderful. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about nobody knows what you're talking about. Nobody. It's a mystery to us. Uh, somebody is making this sound like it's all holy and that it's something just wonderful or whatever. And look, here's the deal. We have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, okay. So what is this gift of tongues? Was there really a gift of tongues? Yes, there was. In fact, the first place that we hear about it, does anybody know? Pentecost. Yes, very good. Acts 2.6, Peter is speaking, and he's speaking. It says, now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. They were amazed because that every man heard them speak, Peter and the others, in his own language. There are people of different languages, different dialects. There's only one person. They're speaking. They're not speaking with interpreters, and yet everybody is hearing it in their own language. Okay, that's a miracle. All right, that's a miracle. That is some wild stuff. You know, I've never listened to somebody speak, and that's happened. Okay, that's never, you know, so-and-so is uh, speaking in, you know, uh, Spanish or something, and I'm hearing it in English. That's just, I've never experienced that before. That's what was happening there. That's an awesome thing. Okay, without an interpreter, yet God was interpreting and making this happen. That's a pretty awesome deal. Okay, so that's what they were hearing. Now, for us, we believe here that the, the, the gift of tongues, can God use it whenever he wants to? Of course, he can still use it, but that it ceased. And we read in the past chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, Charity, that we talked about, the agape love, never faileth. Uh, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, that cease there is different than what's talked about with the prophecies and the knowledge. Cease means it will stop of its own accord. That it will stop if it's, if there's a set time, it's going to stop and it's done. It will not be stopped by some outside force. There is some kind of mechanism within it, it's done and it's time to be done. Um, in fact, you may be thinking of those things that you buy sometimes, and it seems like the time they're set to fail is right after the warranty wears out. I don't know. But uh, probably not like that. But anyway, the deal is that this stopped when there was no longer a need for it. And you see, there's not a need for tongues in a regular sense. Can God use it still in some place? Sure. God can do whatever he wants to. But as far as use the way it was, we have the completed word of God. We have the completed... We don't need somebody coming in and telling us a new revelation. We have God's completed word. Okay? And so there's not really a need for that type thing anymore. 
And so that, that's why we don't really do that here, you may have noticed. Um, yeah, so, all right. But uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, going back to this again. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, how he speak, his, by the, in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, the next verse says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. And Paul's going to make a contrast between these two back and forth, show you how an unknown tongue doesn't accomplish anything and how prophesying accomplishes great things. And right here you see what happens through it and really what happens through good preaching. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to build them up in the right way to what they're supposed to be, Okay, and exhortation and comfort. Exhortation and comfort kind of have the whole idea of building up, but in different ways. Exhortation is the idea of encouraging you by pushing you, by challenging you, by getting you to go to where you should go. And good preaching has this, doesn't it? And we've, getting, we've gotten those. That's, sometimes I feel like you hear right here with certain things, but it's good. It's good for me. And then the other's comfort. Sometimes there are times that we just need the encouragement from God's Word. That thing that tells us that God is sovereign no matter what's going on, He's still in control. That God loves you. That even though I have sinned, I know I can come to Him for forgiveness and I can get clean completely. That is comfort that I receive. And great preaching has both of these things in there. Unknown tongues don't do that. Prophesying, great prophesying does that very thing, he says. This is what it does. All right? Next verse, he says, he goes back to tongues. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. He that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now, he's not saying, you know, you should speak in tongues so you can lift yourself up. He's not giving this as a positive. This is a contrast. Because the gifts are supposed to be used to help the body of Christ each other. So when edifying yourself, this is not a positive. All right, I've heard it used by certain groups in that way. That is not what Paul's doing here. Okay, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, hey, look, here's who it, you build up yourself. That's it. Everybody's noticing what you're doing. I guess if there's any glory going on, you're getting it, and there you go. He that prophesieth edifieth the church, lifts up, builds up the church. There's a great contrast that's going on right there. Verse 5, he says, hey, I would ye all speak in tongues. Hey, you know what? You know, you guys talk about that. Well, sure. I wish you all did. But here's the deal. Rather that you prophesied. I want to make sure, that not, not that everybody prophesied, but look, the thing is, I want in your services, I want there to be prophesying. Why? Because that's, that's the gift he, he pushed above all others here. There needs to be prophesying. Today we'd say there needs to be preaching. Yeah, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. I didn't really, you notice, I didn't do any staple to the notes uh, today because I think, <laughs> here's the deal, I think these scriptures are speaking real plain. I, I don't need to say much for them. I mean, they're just saying it. I mean, this is pretty clear. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. That's pretty easy to understand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just there. Except the interpret. Okay, so here's the deal. Except that the guy with tongues, speaking in tongues, if you can get an interpreter or he can interpret, then that's good. But here's the deal. If he's doing that, he's just taking the long road home. That's all. All he's doing is prophesying. It's just taking longer to, get, to make it happen. Yeah, right? That's all that's happening here. 
Why? That the church may receive edifying. Once again, this is what's supposed to be happening. Ephesians 4.11 says, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, going on the next verses. Why? For the perfecting or maturing of the saints. That's why those gifts and those things are there. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the lifting up, the building up of the body of Christ. To what point? Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ." That's what's supposed to be happening with the church. And he says, an unknown tongue doesn't do that, but prophesying does. Prophesying does. Are you guys learning how important he says prophesying is and what we call preaching today? Yeah, this is how important this is. Okay? Number two, unknown tongues are unintelligible communication. Unknown tongues are unintelligible communication. Yeah. You can't make sense of them. Yeah. So we've talked about how important it is to communicate truth and to build up the body of, the, of Christ, not just in encouragement, say, you guys, just carry on. Things will be okay. No, through truth of God's Word that it says, and we build our lives on that and grow through that as we apply that. You can't get that from an unknown tongue. Why? I can't understand anything that's being said. Yeah. Go on to the next verses. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. If I'm speaking to you in tongues and you don't have that, how are you benefiting? How are you benefiting? And as I was studying, because my mind does these things, my mind went back to Peanuts, Charlie Brown. Yeah, see if you can play this next clip here. See if it works. Will, will it work? Does it play? It doesn't play? Oh, bummer. All right. Well, anyway. All right. Uh, so in my, on my computer, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got uh, Linus and Sally are sitting in class, and you hear it. How's it go? Exactly. Yeah, the teacher's speaking, wah, 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 wah. And then you hear Linus say, yes, ma'am, yes, I'm here, Linus, yes. Wah, 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 wah. And then he says, oh, you want me to, to clean the chalkboard? Yes, ma'am, I would love to clean the chalkboard. And so he gets up and he tells Sally, see, the teacher really likes me. She asked me to clean the chalkboard. She's like, whoopee. So anyway, here's the deal. If it wasn't for Linus telling us what the teacher said, would we know? No. We would know a thing about what that teacher is saying, even though she's the teacher. I'm assuming she's a she. But anyway, I don't know. Wah, 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 wah. I really can't tell. You know, but that's... Here's the deal. Paul's saying speaking in unknown tongues like that. All I get is wah, 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 wah. And people are going crazy about it in some churches. What'd you learn today? Wah, 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 wah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm not really trying to make fun. I'm really just making a point, as he does. Verse 7, even things without life giving sound, whether a pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? Now, who has ever gone to a band concert or an orchestra concert and you've heard them warm up at the beginning? Yes, there's a word for that. It's called cacophony. There's a stuff going on everywhere. And then suddenly they'll come together and warm up together. But until that point... There's no music going on. No, there's no kind of music that's going on. Because I'll actually be honest, and, and I know, Matt, you probably like a little bit of jazz. There's some jazz I don't get. It's the very, just, just, and it's like going on like that, and I'm just like, I like some jazz. I played in a jazz band a little bit. That part I just can't get. That's what it, it sounds like, just, man, everybody just decided to, they've all got earphones on, and they can only hear their instrument, and they're just playing. And... But Paul's saying, you know what? This is the way it is. If there's no distinction to the instruments, there's no music being played. They're just blasting and doing whatever they do. We don't notice a tune. Our ear doesn't put together and say, hey, that's a song. It just isn't no, It's just noise. It's just noise. That's all it is. He says, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound... Who shall prepare himself to battle? You guys probably know that, that horns and that type of thing, trumpets throughout many years, not now, but they used to be used to tell troops to do certain things, to call them to battle, to call them to retreat, different things, because probably amongst the battle you can hear some guy say, hey guys, let's get out. It doesn't work. you know. But a trumpet can be quite loud, okay, and so we can use certain things. But if the trumpet's not making the right sounds, nobody knows what to do. Just a guy tooting his own horn. That's all it is. We don't know what's going on. That's what Paul's saying here. He says, So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what's spoken? We don't know what you're saying. For ye shall speak into the air. Hey, you might as well be just throwing out words and sounds of the air and nobody's listening because it's the same prophet. Nobody's getting anything out of it. Womp, 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 womp. That's all. Yeah. In the air just means it's the idea of in vain. They're just words that are going nowhere. They're accomplishing nothing uh, is the idea. Verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world. There's different languages and, and things. None of them is without signification. So even that means without meaning. So you may not understand Spanish or French, but people that are Spanish and French, they understand it. Because there's meaning in those languages, whether you get them or not, there's some meaning. But he says, here's the deal. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. So if I don't understand what you're saying, it's like you're a barbarian or I'm a barbarian. Actually, barbarian comes from a word that simply means a barbar. Bar, bar, bar. It's like womp, 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 in a way. Just bar, 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 bar. That's the, the Greeks would make fun of people they couldn't understand. They said that's what it sounds like to us. Bar, 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 bar. And they, they're called barbarians because of that. Paul says it's just like that. If I'm not understanding what you're saying, it's just that's all it is. It's like a barbarian is coming and talking to me. Or I'm like a barbarian to you. I can't get what you're saying. Yeah, there's, there's no benefit at all. Verse 12, even so ye, 
For as much as you are zealous of the spiritual gifts, as much as you want those, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Why? Because that's the goal. That is the goal. If you're getting up here and putting on a show, it's not accomplishing what God means the gifts to accomplish. The goal is to edify the body of Christ. That's the goal. Uh, MacArthur paraphrases this part and says, if you, he says this is a paraphrase of what Paul's saying in this verse, if you are so eager to minister spiritual gifts, minister them in the way God intended for the benefit of the church, in particular for the church's edification, so that the body of Christ grows, matures in Christ. That is the point. Okay, that's the point of your spiritual gifts. Number three, unknown tongues are unfruitful for the congregation. They're unfruitful. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. In other words, Paul says, I've made my point here. Look, they're just worthless. So if you do have an unknown tongue, then pray that God gives you the ability to interpret. Now, we'll learn later on this chapter or somebody else to interpret. Okay, but in other words, we've got to get meaning out of this. Okay, and he says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is fruitful. Now, some people will say, yeah, this is where we're talking about praying in a prayer language. I don't believe that. For number one, look at the my here. Does anybody walk around and talk about my Holy Spirit? Doesn't that sound weird? My Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to my Holy Spirit the other day. you like, you have your own? I don't know. What is that? God 2.0 you're into or something? I don't know. You get your own Holy Spirit? There's the Holy Spirit. Okay? There's one that works in all of us that are saved. Not my Holy Spirit. He says, if, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Going back to Romans 8, uh, 26, some people will say, yeah, this is what the praying in the Spirit is kind of idea. And this is kind of where they'll get this. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, now this is the Holy Spirit here, the Spirit, uh, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay, so this is like this spiritual praying the Spirit thing. Well, here's the deal. Um, notice he said, with groanings which cannot be uttered. That rules out a prayer language. Cannot be uttered, spoken. There's not sounds or whatever. This is the Holy Spirit that's doing this. What does this mean? This doesn't mean, and the idea is somehow that, I, I don't know where this comes from, some Hindu thing or some Buddhist thing or whatever that's gotten into Christianity, but somehow... I'm above praying with regular words. The Spirit prays, and I don't even understand why I'm praying, and that makes it higher. No, it doesn't. Why didn't Jesus just skip all the part of Jesus teach us how to pray? Okay. He didn't do that. He told them how to pray. He did. He gave a model of how to pray. So if that's the deal... There's a good way to pray, and you pray with your mind engaged. Romans 8.26 means when I'm at a point, you know, here's the deal. I'm just as broken as the world, and I'm broken in other areas, so I don't pray perfectly. And what I don't get right, the Holy Spirit does. 
He is able to take even my mistakes in prayer and even times when I'm not sure exactly what to pray and maybe I'm not praying exactly right, but my heart is leaning right, but my words are... He makes them right. And He takes them to God before the throne. And they are as wonderful vapors and scents to God when the Holy Spirit takes care of it. But it doesn't mean that I reach to a point where I don't even know what I'm talking about to God. And somehow that's holier. This is not what's being talked about. In fact, we are to leave... Our mind is to stay engaged. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is what we're supposed to have. We are to use our mind. That is to glorify God just like our body is. Our mind is to glorify God. So we pray with that. So he says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't even know what I'm talking about. How does that benefit me? And let me tell you, one of the benefits of prayer is not just getting what I want or what you want. It's not, prayer is not so much always moving God as if any of us could actually do that. The finite moving the infinite. It's God moving me. As I pray, God molds me and makes me more like what I should be. That's what happens through a lot of our praying is God molds me as I pray. How many times have you guys prayed and as you're praying, you're like, it's almost like, oh yeah, yeah. That even ha- Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, it's almost like, you know, oh yeah, that's, I get that. Yeah, I understand. You know, and it's all, you're kind of, and God moves you as you pray and he's working on you. Now, yes, God answers prayer and he does, sometimes he's waiting for us to pray for something before he's going to do something. I get that. And yes, he does that. But he's also working on us. And that can't happen if I don't understand what I'm praying about. I have to understand what I'm saying for that to happen. Okay? What I'm praying to God. All right? Um, he says, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. What a wonderful concept that in our services and our worship to God, we should have our minds engaged and our spirit as well. Don't just get one. Things get crazy when people have their spirit engaged but not their mind. That's some crazy stuff that goes on. But you know what? We ought, we ought not be all just drab either. It ought to be, and I think that's what occurs in our services. We have great preaching. We have, we have songs that have great words. And we also, people get into it in our services. I think it's the way it's supposed to be. Both the spirit and the mind are engaged. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. He says, else when thou shalt bless with the spirit... How shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks? If you're praying in some whatever, nobody understands. How's somebody supposed to say amen, brother? Or is he going to be like, amen? I don't know. He sounds holy. Yeah, that's what he's saying. How am I, how am I, how's the person that's in the room supposed to say amen at thy giving of thanks? Seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. All right, for thou verily givest thanks well. Sure, you're just thanking God well in your whatever you're doing, but the other's not edified. Nobody's understanding what you're saying. It's just you. 
He says then, I thank my God. And here's where, at this time, speaking in tongues was going on, and Paul could do it. He says, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than y'all. In the right way, I do it. Yet, here's the big one, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. That is quite a statement. Let me put that out for you. Five words with understanding is greater than 10,000 with an unknown tongue. Let me put this in a little bit of perspective. I had to write a paper recently, and I'm still waiting on my grade on it, but I had to write a paper recently. And uh, when you write it in, in Word, Microsoft Word, it tells you how many words you got there at the bottom. It was about a 12-page paper or whatever. It had 4,000 words. Are you getting what I'm saying? 4,000 words. Paul says, yeah, double that and a little more. Write a paper that long with an unknown tongue, and I can give you five words of understanding, and it's worth more. That is quite a statement. Your unknown tongue can write, what's my math doing here, over a 24-page paper? And my five words, trumpet. That's quite a statement. That's quite a statement. So let's round this up. Paul's goal was not to have an experience or be seen having an experience. Instead, it was to pass what he knew, what he'd received from the Lord to others. And you know, that's the thing of teaching. I think any teacher or preacher wants this, not just for people that think it was a great message, but that it stays with them and they can pass it on. Because me, Pastor Josh, anybody else, we're going to go someday. The hope is, is that a baton is passed and the teaching goes on and continues, right? And the church is edified. That's the idea. This tells me as I looked at this, you know what? A song service is great and there's nothing wrong with having one. And a testimony service is great, and there's nothing wrong with having one. But the majority, and I know Pastor Josh agree with this, the majority of our services, the vast majority of our services, should be centered on preaching the Word of God. Paul said, I would rather that you prophesy. Not have an experience. Experiences can be good. The main thing is that you prophesy. If you're not having that a lot in church, the most of the time, it's time to give another church.